0: Amen. If you turn in your Bibles, we'll read Zechariah chapter 4, uh, the vision of the uh, lampstand and the two olive trees. Uh, Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who is roused from his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with its bowl on the top of it and its seven lamps on it and the seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. Then I answered and said to the angel who was speaking with me saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, "No, my Lord. Then he answered and spoke to me, saying, This is the word of Yahweh to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says Yahweh of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. That is the Verse that resembles the hymn that we just sing, The uh, grace is a charming sound. Verse 8, Also the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that Yahweh of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, These are the eyes of Yahweh which roam to and fro throughout the earth. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I answered a second time and said to him, What are the two olive branches which are besides the two golden pipes which empty the golden oil from themselves? So he spoke to me saying, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord then he said these are the two anointed ones who were standing by uh, the lord uh, of all the earth Uh, so as we uh, come to uh, zechariah chapter 4 we are in uh, one of the visions that'll take us through chapter 6 and uh, uh, first of all we start with a uh, uh, familiar scene the angel who was talking to me Uh, returned. It says he came again. Uh, And then it says uh, a little bit different than all the other ones that he woke me or roused me uh, like a man who who was uh, roused out of sleep. Uh, So Zacharias says it was as if I went from uh, one state of consciousness to being fully aware uh, of what was going on. Uh, some of the writers think, well, maybe there was an intermission between the visions, and he uh, hadn't heard for a while, or uh, as we might uh, be distracted and uh, and be concentrating on something that the the previous vision he was just he was just looking and thinking, and and then the angel said, "Here's another vision." Uh, so he could have been entranced with the previous vision, or it was an intermission. Uh, But here comes the angel's question, what do you see? Uh, And this is a a stunning sight. Uh, Dr. Phillips says, Out of the darkness of the night, Zechariah beheld a blazing lampstand, its image conveyed majesty, beauty, priceless value, all in the form of light shining into the darkness. He sees everything correctly. He sees a golden lampstand. he sees a bowl on top of it he sees seven lamps with uh, spouts or pipes or or lips the niv says there's channels to the lights so so some way of this oil being directed uh, towards it and then two olive trees uh, finish the vision one's on the right side of the uh, golden candlestick and the other uh, is on the left so not only was it a stunning sight but it was a uh, familiar sight. Uh, the uh, golden lampstand belongs uh, in uh, the temple. And uh, Exodus 25:31 tells us, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold, the lampstand shall be made of hammered work, its base, its stem, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. So in the uh, temple originally was a, a lampstand. Uh, Solomon, you know, uh, built the temple. He was not to be outdone. And there were 10 lampstands, 1 Kings 7.49 tells us, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the south side and five on the north side before uh, the inner sanctuary. And uh, Leviticus gives us instruction uh, about the uh, idea of the lampstand, Le- Leviticus 24 then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they bring to you clear oil from beaten olives for the light to make the lamp burn continually. So the the, the, the candlestick was there, and it was never to go, to go out. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall keep it in order from evening to morning. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. He shall keep the lamps in order. On the pure gold lampstand before Yahweh continually. So it was a stunning sight, uh, but also uh, a familiar sight. And the third thing we need to say about this is is that it was also uh, a symbolic sight. Uh, The lampstand represented something. Remember Uh, Chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 20. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So it's a a stunning sight. It's familiar, uh, but it's symbolic. Uh, We get a chance to read back in the symbolism. And uh, uh, Dr. Phillips says, it could be the the temple of God, the presence of God or the people of God, so it could be the the community. The lampstand represents the church in revelation. It could represent the community. and uh, some of the writers say, well, all three of these things uh, have um, have significance here: the temple, the presence of God and the uh, and the people of God. So what did we see so far? We saw the lampstand, it's in the tabernacle, it's in the temple. It was gold. The oil was to be constantly provided. It was never to go out. And the lampstand is the church or the community. And then he sees the olive trees, and it's the source of the oil, right where the oil needs to be. So nobody is coming and bringing it. These two trees, as it were, keep putting out oil as they they go. And uh, Zechariah has a a question to the angel who was talking to him. He says, what are these, my Lord? It's a shortened form for Adonai. Uh, He says uh, a term of respect. You remember in Revelation, even uh, John bows down sometimes and shows homage to somebody. And the the angel says, don't bow down to me. Uh, uh, I'm just like you. Uh, uh, So uh, here is an interesting thing. Uh, because the answer to the question is a question. And the angel says, you don't know? Uh, reminds, reminds us of uh, Nicodemus. And Jesus says, are, are you a ruler in Israel? And, and you don't know what I'm talking about? There's, uh, th- there's something here that uh, that shows these uh, steps of learning, I think, too. The humility of Zechariah. Uh, if, if I asked you. You, you you don't know what I'm talking about? You don't know what the Scripture talks about? Uh, you would say, well, you know, I need to be taught of God. Zachariah seems to take that posture. He humbly listens. What are these, my Lord? You don't know. And he says, no, I don't. He says, I need to be taught. I need to be seen, shown what these things are. Well, it's interesting. Because the angel answers, but doesn't say anything about what he just saw. He doesn't say anything about the lampstand, and he doesn't say anything about the two olive trees. Uh, Notice uh, verses 6, the unexpected answer. The question is deflected, and the, the answer is not what I would expect, maybe not what you would expect, and Zechariah will come back later and ask the same question again. This is the word... Of Yahweh to Zerubbabel. So the the candlestick and the oil has something to do with Zerubbabel. We're gonna see in this chapter, chapter 3, the vision was all about Joshua the High Priest, chapter 4, all about uh, Zerubbabel, the governor, the uh, uh, the image or the uh, representative of the king. And uh, we'll see that that's important. It's it's part of the prophecy to get the temple uh, built and and get things moving. First, we take care of the priest, then we encourage the king. And God's Word is interesting. He says, "...not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit," says Yahweh of hosts. How do we uh, live? How do we act? How do we fight against sin? Whose help do we need to understand God's word? Whose help do we need to, to uh, uh, live out the Christian life? We need the Holy Spirit's help. Every day we need his help. And this is the point. Uh, the charge came to uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel in Haggai 1.1. The word of Yahweh came by the hand of Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. The charge was, you've got to build. You've got to stop delaying and, and build. Build. Uh, They were charged and strengthened Uh, at the end of that prophecy in Haggai. It says the people listened and they feared the Lord. Uh, uh, Of Yahweh's message, a commentator says it's a reminder that the obstacles that face him in the rebuilding task will not be overcome by conventional resources of might and power. How do we fight against the these uh neighboring uh enemies who already sent back to persia and said get them to stop the building how do we fight against discouragement well we need to muster an army we need to get some people together but god says no you need the holy spirit it's not by conventional means it's by my spirit uh this battle For the temple restoration is not won. It's not accomplished by horsemen, chariots, and physical power. It will be won by trust on Yahweh's spirit and his work. Psalm 20 verses 6 through 8 abbreviated. Some trust in those things, right, don't they? Some trust in horses and chariots, but it says we trust in God. Ezekiel 37:11 through 14 the vision of the dry bones how does how does Yahweh work how does he change dry bones and put put they start to stand up uh, flesh comes back it's an amazing thing it's by it's by his spirit and then as a promise of the the new covenant he says I'm going to put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways he tells Zerubbabel you don't need a bunch of strong men. You don't need swords and spears and this. You need the Spirit to help you with this work. John chapter 6 verse 63. It's, it's the same uh, in Jesus' preaching. These people started unbelief. They're arguing against him. Oh, well, Moses gave us this bread, and, and we know where you came from, and, and we don't like that saying. And he says, it is the Spirit who gives life to. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And he says, some of you don't believe because the spirit hasn't come and helped you to see. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul talks about his speech and his message. He says, I didn't come with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit And in power, you can see false teachers any day of the week and they put on their smile and it never comes off their face. And they smile and they tell, oh, this is so wonderful. You can have your best life now. And I never condemn people for their sins and they smile all the time. Paul said, I came and I told you the truth. I told you the truth, because that is the only thing that the Spirit of God will own. Not people stepping down and saying, oh, oh, that's, that Sunday school class, that was really something. That guy's got quite a sense of humor. That guy's got quite a way of saying things. I like those few jokes. I like the way this, this, this. No! It's by the Spirit of God. Zerubbabel, if you're going to be helped in the task that you have to do, God's Spirit has to help you. What's, what's for ourselves? Our prayers every week are always for the help of God's Spirit. And never, never forget that. We, we come to God's Word. We read God's Word. We need help to worship. We need help in prayer. We have to pray all the time, send your Spirit, Lord. Send your Spirit. What does the Spirit do? Jesus says, convict you of sin. But it also will bring to remembrance everything that I said. What does he call it? Also, the Helper. The Helper. The Comforter. That's, that's the idea. It's expanded. It's expanded in the New Testament, but Zerubbabel needs the, the Holy Spirit. Then comes an interesting picture in verse 7 of Zerubbabel's success. A mountain is, begunna, is going to become uh, plain and then he's going to bring forth a top stone. Now the top stone—that's you're done. We talked about foundation before, and here comes the top stone, and everybody's going to be happy. Put that top stone up there. We're done. We're done building. Uh, the mountain picture is, uh, first of all, potentially a picture of just general difficulty. General difficulty, this work had some difficulty associated with it. And God's just saying, I'm going to remove all the difficulty. Uh, somebody might say, I'm afraid to go back to work tomorrow. I have a mountain of work to do. I have a mountain of paperwork waiting for me. Uh, several of jobs that I have. That's how, the, please Lord, don't let the Lord's day end, right? I'm going to go back to mountains piles of emails, piles of text messages, piles of tasks that I knew I would never get done with. But he says, this mountain, this mountain is just going to become a plain. It's going to flatten out. Some people think that this was a picture of the rubble that was left behind, that there was just mountains of rubble, and Zerubbabel was going to take all these things and put the temple together, and and the rubble was going to go away. Thirdly, there's a reminder of Babylon's fall uh, that paves the way for restoration. Remember the first vision, all the earth is at rest. Babylon is gone. Babylon was wiped out. Nineveh was wiped out. Uh, Jeremiah speaks of it at the end of his prophecy, Jeremiah 51, 25. I will repay Babylon, it says. Behold, I am against you, destroying mountains. So he calls Babylon a destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll down upon you from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. So, uh, so Babylon was actually called a mountain. It could be the picture. Zerubbabel maybe understood that prophecy. Remember, Jeremiah said, we're going to remove all the enemies. The first vision said, everything is quiet and peaceful. Uh, For us, uh, and maybe alluded to, uh, we can think of the Gospel Age uh, uh, mentioned in Isaiah uh, chapter 40. Uh, Comfort my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has been fulfilled, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received from the hand of Yahweh double for her sins. Here's the ministry of John the Baptist. A voice is calling, prepare the way, in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of Yahweh uh, will be revealed. Here's here's another picture. Get all the obstacles out of the way. Flatten everything out so it's easy to move uh, around. And the... Uh, the angel says, is, is that mountain going to be able to stand? What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Who is going to win at the end of the day? The angel says, even a mountain can't stop Zerubbabel. And then, the end of verse 7, uh, a beautiful thing. Uh, he will bring forth a topstone with shouts of grace grace to it Uh, it's a uh, it's an unusual uh, use of the word the word grace is not used very frequently uh, in the old testament Uh, the word gracious is many times in the psalms Uh, psalm 42 verse 5 david's david's exalting uh, uh, the messiah as king he says grace is poured upon your lips you it pours out uh In Zechariah 12 and verse 10, it says, I will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication. So this rejoicing and crying out is part of the completion of the process. He sees a lampstand and he sees two olive trees. But God says this just means Zerubbabel is going to come, flatten all the obstacles, and everybody's going to rejoice and say grace, grace to it. Ezekiel 6, verse 22. And they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy. For what? For Yahweh had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. When it finally got done, they had this giant feast and they all rejoiced. Uh, one commentator says the repetition expresses grace and grace. Perfect. Grace from the first to the last. John Gill says it shows that they had a deep sense of it in their hearts. If I just kept repeating all the time, every time you saw me, brother, how are you? That's all of grace. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. That would fit with what Gill said. I have a deep sense of God's grace in my heart. That's, that repetition uh, rang out. It's all of grace. It's all of God's spirit. He gave this man the ability to work. This mountain of stuff, whatever it is, the mountain, the obstacle that was in the way is gone. And it's by the spirit and we praise the Lord. Hawker uh, winds it all up and says, there is a great beauty in the reiteration of the word grace. That's what we sang before. Grace It's a charming sound. Why? What do I say when I say grace? I say that I don't deserve to be saved. I say that somebody was in my place and took my sins. It's all of grace. It's all of God's mercy. There is great beauty in the reiteration of God's grace, intimating, if I mistake not, that as grace begins the work in the heart, so grace alone concludes it. He's right. He he says he says if I mistake not no you didn't make a mistake you start with grace you walk with grace you end with grace that last day that last day that you spend on this earth before you pass by no matter which way you go out you'll need as much grace then as you do now he's right indeed he says it can be nothing but grace All the way, daily grace, hourly grace, and all from the Lord. That's right. Why are there continuous songs in Revelation? Why do they never stop singing? What are they always singing about? They're singing about grace. They're singing about the lamb that was slain. They're singing about the lamb that took away our sins. The people saw that top stone and they just said, grace, grace, it's mercy. It's mercy of God uh, uh, to bring that about. So here is the further description of success and Yahweh's purposes, verses 8 through 10. Uh, The first answer comes, focuses on uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, Yahweh uh, uh, speaks, verse 8, Also the word came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that God has sent me. Uh, This is going to happen. You will know that Yahweh has sent me. Why? Because the work was blessed through the preaching of the prophets. God blesses the preaching of his servants that he sends. Ezekiel 5 verses 1 and 2. Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews and they began to rebuild. Verse 2. And the prophets of God were with them supporting them. The, the prophets were sent uh, to teach how much we need God's word and his, his spirit. Uh, Ezekiel 6, 14, and the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Ido. So So Zechariah knows it. He says, The Word of God came to me, and God says, you see, the building is going to be finished, and then you're going to know that God sent me to you, because He's going to, by the Spirit, have all He needs to to finish everything, and then everybody's going to rejoice. The people and the elders knew the Word of Yahweh came through Haggai and Zechariah. His Spirit breathed out that Word and inspired them to obey. But then there's an interesting question Uh, in in verse 10, and uh, we just have to uh, take some time here because uh, uh, the ESV is the only version that does not have who has despised the day of small things as a question. Everybody else, every other translation says it's a question. The the ESV says whoever has despised will uh, rejoice. So here's the question for who has despised the day of small things? And uh, that's the, the first uh, uh, question. Uh, the second thing with, with the text is the Hebrew word for seven uh, is only in the text once. And uh, I have to mention this because the American Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, and the LSB, this one that uh, translates Yahweh, all say... Uh, these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line. They're talking about eyes. And then it says uh, the eyes of uh, the Lord. So this is the LSB. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are, in italics, the eyes of Yahweh who roam to and fro throughout the earth. So they're they're saying these seven uh, are... Uh, you know, the eyes of the Lord. I, I, I don't, I'm not as comfortable with that as, as the ESV leaving out the question, even though the question I think is a good one, uh, because it's the people that rejoice. It, it's not necessarily God's eyes had to see it and he would be happy, although he was, he told them build and he gave them grace, but the people rejoice in all the texts we've looked at so far. Uh, in Ezekiel, in uh, Ezra, I mean, and, and here, the people rejoiced. The people said, grace, grace to it. The people rejoiced. Uh, so uh, I think the the seven uh, are are the eyes of the Lord which reigned through all the earth, but that just connects chapter 3 and verse 9 where it said the stone had those eyes and it connects to the first one. We patrolled the earth and what's going on in the earth? It's peaceful. Then here's a, Here's a, the the next one about the branch. You remember, the servant, the branch, the stone with eyes that looks over everything. And now this alludes back to that, uh, the eyes. Yahweh oversees the rebuilding, uh, and the work will be done as He is promised, chapter one, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, I will return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house, my house will be built in it. Declares Yahweh of hosts and the measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Again, call out saying, thus says Yahweh of hosts, my cities will again overflow with good, and Yahweh will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. He says, I'm coming, uh, and it's going to get done. Uh, but I think in the uh, context, it's the people that will rejoice. The people, not not that these seven are the eyes of the Lord, uh, uh, or the... the that it's mentioned twice, but just once. I'm sorry, that's confusing. Uh, Verse 10, Who's despised the day of small things? That's the question. And he says, If you have, you're going to end up rejoicing because you will see Zerubbabel building and overseeing everything that gets built. And Yahweh's eyes are watching. This is the third time uh, Yahweh's eyes are watching. He's telling them, I'm watching all of this take place. His intention and an assurance is that the work will be accomplished. Uh, There's application to us. Have we despised the day of small things? Oh, what day of small things? Well, you could say small congregation, small this, small that, whatever. But are you the one that's defining the small? Are you the one that's defining the small? Are you discouraged by not seeing the panorama of God's work. Are you discouraged by not listening to the prophecy of Zechariah and saying this this mountain, this picture of the mountain will become plain and all of Zerubbabel's work will prosper until he puts the top stone on and then will rejoice. You remember in Haggai, what did they say? Oh, it's not the time to build. It's not the time to build. And he charges them and says, You're leaving the house unbuilt while you are worried about the paneling in yours? That's wrong. Who has despised the day of small things? Oh, we're a small congregation. We don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have this. Some people left. This happened. That happened. This happened. No, no, no. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that are going to be saved today. There are hundreds, millions, billions of people that are going to hear the gospel. How is it going to prosper? Not by might, not by power, but by God's Spirit, says the Lord. Who's despised the day of small things? How can you despise the day of small things when God is telling us, for the third time, I'm watching over the whole thing? Lord, if you're watching over this, you know my heart. If you're watching over it, you know all our hearts. You know what we feel. You know sometimes the frustration. You know the discouragement. But we just give it to you. Because this is the third time in this prophecy that the eyes of the Lord are every place. And you have the servant. You have the branch. You have the stone. And the stone has seven eyes. And everything in Revelation floods back into our minds. And says, if that temple got built by the power of the Spirit... How much more will the kingdom of God, as we've seen in Revelation, overcome every obstacle and be built and prosper and and get to where God wants it to be? All the enemies, all the enemies one day wiped out, swept away. All the Babylons, all the world systems, all the false teaching, all the false prophets, everything wiped away and what's going to be there a glorious bride a glorious bride and and that's what we need to do in in times when we would say i don't know about what's going on i i think it's a sm- small thing who's defining the small thing do i have the right to say oh this is this this is a small work of god not many people are being saved the country's in terrible shape all this all this that that can stop me in my tracks and paraly- my, paralyze my spiritual walk, can it? So then comes the question and the answer about the olive trees. And you say, well, what, what happened in between? And that's interesting because this is all that the angel told him. He sees a lampstand, two olive trees, and when he asks, what is it? He talks about Zerubbabel, the whole thing, and the idea is, Everything's going to be taken aside. It'll be by the Spirit. God's watching over it, and everything is going to be out. And if you despise the the small things, you're going to rejoice, because you're going to see this work completed. And and then he comes back to it, right back to the original question in verse 11. Uh, Note, Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees? I still, I still haven't found out. What are these two olive trees? And it's interesting, he transitions back to the vision of two through four, and he describes it, uh, An answer to the question comes back again. Uh, What did you see? He said, I, this is exactly what I, I see. The angel comes back with the question and the description all the way up to verse 10. And then he doesn't explain them at all. And and he doesn't ask a question about the lampstand. See, the lampstand was clear to him, wasn't it? He sees a golden lampstand. He doesn't ask about that. He's asking about the olive trees. I've I've seen lampstands all the time. They're in the temple. They should be in the temple. They were in Solomon's temple. They're everywhere. The lampstand is always there. It, It was a command in Leviticus. Keep the olive oil flowing into that lamp. He doesn't ask about that. He's like... What are these two trees next to it? But notice he asks two questions. One, you might say, is a general question. What are the two trees? And then he breaks it down. He asks the question again. It's interesting. The commentators say that why did the angel pause? And why did Zechariah answer again? And then he adds detail. Notice, two branches besides the pipes which pour out oil. How come there are two trees? You didn't answer right away? Well, let me make it more specific. How come there's two branches besides the pipes which pour out oil? There's not only trees, but some of those branches go right there to to that lampstand, and this oil is just coming out. Here's the same pattern. A question followed by a question, and the angel says, Don't you know what these are? You know, you you study and you say, it's all right, Zechariah. I don't know what they are either. I don't know either. He says the same way, humbly, I need to learn. He says, no, my Lord, I don't know. And here comes the answer, finally, the answer to the question. And he says, these are two anointed ones, literally in Hebrew, uh, sons of oil. They're two anointed ones. Uh, let's just read that verse 14 then he said these are two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord uh, uh, of all the earth the answer comes and then we we do have some speculation some people say well the the two trees are the two covenants Uh, some people say it's the two prophets Haggai and Zechariah I favor the majority decision uh, because there was only two offices in Israel that the person was anointed to take the office: a priest and a king. And I like that because who is he talking to? Who is he talking to in chapter three and four? Joshua, the priest, Zerubbabel, who's the governor, but he is the uh, he is the uh, representative of the king. Remember, Haggai said, "You'll be like a signet." You're doing this doesn't mean you're the king, but you'll stand as that. Zerubbabel ends up in uh, Matthew's genealogy, uh, 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 a story for a different time. So the two chapters clear the way for all this work to be done. Chapter three here comes the high priest, dirty garments, terrible. And he's restored, forgiven. He's protected from Satan and he's clothed in priestly garments. That's the kind of priest that we need to lead this, isn't it? That's the kind of person that we need. If there's sin in leadership, it, it tears the heart out of a congregation, doesn't it? We've, we've seen that in recent days, a number of instances. That tears the heart out. You got people on one side, people on this side. Oh, forgive him, do this. No, no, no. Joshua was purified. Because that's what we need. We need pure priests to minister. In chapter 4, the vision demonstrates the success of Zerubbabel. That is the appointed and the anointed person to finish the work. That's who God chose. He's able to subdue obstacles and complete the work and cause the people to rejoice. These anointed ones uh, stand by the Lord of the whole earth as those appointed and sustained by him. If you take the lampstand as the church or the community, then the priest and the king pour into the community the, the oil of the spirit. It doesn't get done any other way, does it? And the oil is the, a, a picture of the spirit in many, many places. We're, we're running out of time. And there's pages and pages that are written on this. The priest and the king. The priest and the king. They were both conduits of God's blessing to his people. That's the idea. Oh, you say, oh, you say what about Sunday morning? Oh, the, the brother that preached, it was like God's blessings came to me because of what he said. No, it's because of God's word. It's not plausible things. Oh, these studies in Revelation. Uh, that's been refreshment to my soul. That's the idea. That's the idea. We look with anticipation. It's as if we say, God, you've set up You've set this up so that the oil will constantly flow. The Spirit will constantly flow to your people. And we say, that's what I want. By by the appointed means, the appointed servants, uh, the the priest and the king. Think of the power of a righteous priest. Think of the power of, of a righteous king. The writers go back to Josiah. Think of what happened. Think of what happened. What encouragements found the scroll, read the scroll. He said, things are not the way they're supposed to be. And down came all these altars, and down came the idols, and 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 he was setting things right. So in summary, and finally, the lampstand is the community of the returned exiles, or the church. There it sits. That's the people. The two olive trees, Joshua and Zerubbabel, the oil is the ministry of the Holy Spirit blessed by God. They're doing it in the presence of God who are standing by the Lord of the earth. They're standing in his presence. God sent Joshua in his presence to do the work. God sent Zerubbabel in his presence to stand and do the work. And he said, I'm going to forgive his sins. He'll minister as a priest. And I'm going to help this man to move mountains and put that top stone on. And everybody will say, grace grace to it and everybody will rejoice and the only thing that we have to think about is that the lord jesus christ exceeds them all exceeds them all the prophet the priest and the king he's the messiah and messiah means anointed one let's pray heavenly father for the mercies found in this passage we thank you we're thankful for these uh, Uh, pictures that just uh, are, are beautiful, stark pictures, but we're thankful for the encouragement that even in times when your people are discouraged by the power of your Holy Spirit, we might be encouraged, knowing that your work will not fail to be completed.